0: You are now about to begin
1: a great adventure. The journey out of your mind. You're tearing me apart! What? We are not experts and we have zero psychological training and we're trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Welcome to Tearing Us Apart.
0: That was great. Yeah. Good take. Good take
1: welcome to tearing us apart Uh, i am freddie
0: and i am violet
1: hello and this week as promised i'm going to give you a story all about um isolation um Mm -hmm. this is because last week you did one all about why we should uh talk to uh talk to strangers and try to make more Mm -hmm. friends in this world so being a contrary guy i said i'm going to do one all about isolation (laughs) i didn't actually have an idea particularly of how to do it um I, so I at first I thought about um, yeah, solitary confinement and prisons, that's isolation, and about hermits mm-hmm. and about people who are socially isolated. Um, mm-hmm. By researching into all of that, I came across uh, an experiment into complete and utter isolation, not just from people, but from the world around us. So isolation from anything to look at or to touch or to listen to. It's a story that involves the CIA um, Ooh. small yellow men and the very nature of our brains and existence so small yellow men <laughs> yeah i'll come to them and all of this happens uh in y- your new adopted hometown of montreal which oh was, yeah perfect. i know yeah i couldn't believe it when I, I did
0: see those small yellow men walking around and i was wondering what they were doing so <laughs>
1: <laughs> this well, is perfect y- a clue that you've been spending too much time by yourself if you're seeing these small (laughs) yellow men um but the yeah so it happens at mcgill university in montreal so without further ado um let's dive right in what happened to him (laughs) well in a way nothing looks to me like he's been in an accident no this is an experiment that took place at mcgill university Students volunteered to participate in this study of human behavior under extreme and prolonged monotony. Their hands and arms were softly covered to muffle the sense of touch. All harsh lights subdued by a mask, comfortable beds, quiet. And yet, it was impossible for most of these students to take it for more than 24 or 48 hours. Where to begin? To begin with the guy at the center of it all, who was a psychologist called Donald O. Hebb, um, who worked at McGill University. And Hebb was um, a big hitter in 20th century psychology. Uh, and so according to the McGill University website, he is, I quote, "the probably the most influential psychologist of the 20th century. Um, yeah, which seems like that seems like these university websites always big their big their stuff up quite a lot don't they but he has but he clearly is important and he has actually even made it into my book which is the only book i own about psychology and uh which i uh plan to <laughs> i don't plan to own a second and it's called an introduction to the history of psychology um and i've got the third edition and um and 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 this guy's made it in on pages 562, if anyone's reading along with me. I think the most important thing that he does over his career is to just show psychologists that they actually do need to pay attention to how the brain itself works in order to understand human psychology. But we're just looking at this one experiment that he did, which wasn't perhaps his finest hour. Um, And it is surrounded by some controversy, So um, it's the early 50s and the Cold War is uh, afoot. And um, the CIA was, we now know they're in the middle of this huge project researching all forms of mind control. Uh, And like they were doing this because, well, because they were the CIA. Um, They said they were doing it because (laughs) they were worried about, like there were these stories of Chinese and Russian uh, cases where they were like brainwashing people. Um, And so the CIA were like, oh, we we better learn how to brainwash people. And one of these secret experiments was run by Donald Hebb, who was invited to this secret meeting in Montreal in 1951 and was basically asked if he'd research into um, how to brainwash people. And he agreed. And they thought that how the Chinese and Russians might be doing it was by isolating people uh, completely. So it was something they called perceptual isolation. Which is where you just mm. isolate someone not only to the point that they're alone but also to the point that there's really nothing for them to look at, nothing for them to hear, and nothing for them to touch.
0: How did they come to that conclusion?
1: I don't know. Yeah, I was wondering that. I don't know where they that must be spies. This is my only answer I can give. Hmm. <laughs> And it, it's mad, yeah, to think that this actually happened because this guy Heb was really big. I mean, he was really big even at this point by 1951. Well, like fat? Not fat, but um, <laughs> he's not a very good spy. <laughs> you could hear him coming a mile off. From the picture in my book, An Introduction to the History of Psychology, <laughs> I, I can say that he wasn't fat, but he was. Okay. But he was a big figure. So at this meeting, the secret meeting, they said, Heb, how do you fancy it? brainwashing and he said yeah okay I'll have a go um if you give me some money and everyone agreed (laughs) so picture this you're a young student at a Canadian university and you see uh, at McGill University in Montreal and you see a sign on the wall calling for participation in an experiment where you can get paid $200 a day that's in today's money for doing absolutely nothing Oh boy, oh boy. So you sign up ASAP and you are told to change into a loose-fitting jumpsuit and then taken to a very small room with a limpid white light and a narrow bed.
0: Lie down here,
1: please. You have to put on thin cotton gloves and then you put your arms inside padded cardboard tubes to reduce your sense of touch. Your eyes are covered so that there's nothing for you to look at and a fan is running so that there's nothing for you to do except listen to a low hum.
0: We'll be back to check on you tomorrow.
1: And they were left in these rooms for um, 48 hours. Um, there, were, there were bathroom breaks and there was food, but um, yeah, that's what the experiment was. And it certainly did uh, have some really drastic effects on the psychology of the patients, of the, um, well, volunteers. Um, they wrote this report in the Scientific American about their study. Um, So I'll read a bit from the report where they're describing the experiment and then the effects that it had on the patients. So as the subjects lay in isolation, cut off from stimulation, the content of their thoughts gradually changed. First, they tended to think about their studies, about the experiment, and about their personal problems. But after a while, they began to reminisce about past incidents, their families, their friends, and so on. Then to pass the time, they tried to remember in detail a motion picture they had seen. Others thought about travelling from one familiar place to another, and would try to imagine all the events of the journey. Eventually, subjects reached a state in which it took much effort to concentrate at all, and they became content to let their minds drift, as one subject put it. They became irritable, they lost their sense of perspective, and became paranoid about the experiment itself. Many of them, after long isolation, began to see images. Little yellow men with black caps on and their mouths open. A procession of squirrels with sacks over their shoulders marching purposefully across the visual field. Prehistoric animals walking about in a jungle. Processions of eyeglasses marching down a street. And these scenes were frequently distorted and were described as being like animated cartoons. So at first, the subjects were usually surprised and amused by these phenomena, and they even looked forward eagerly to see what was going to happen next, and found that the pictures alleviated their boredom. But after a while, the pictures became disturbing and so vivid that they interfered with sleep.
0: This sounds kind of like the effects of LSD that were described in our other episode and which kind of makes me think that maybe they reached that like meditative state of like complete empty-mindedness that they were trying to receive they were trying to get through meditation
1: that they were reaching yeah the higher plane of consciousness that we were talking about yeah in the hippie one i mean i mean yeah i mean the uh, article actually mentions that these effects are like people who take ah. mescaline which is that drug so yeah i should be a psychologist um, and and <laughs> it's
0: my calling. <laughs> Do and
1: do crazy experiments. Uh, yeah, you should do crazy experiments. And um and they, and and the CIA, you know, this round of mind um, uh, control funding for the CIA. Some of that was <laughs> on LSD. Um, and even some of the stuff that happened later at McGill was with LSD. So. It's funny, isn't it? Like, I wonder I wonder if they did the experiment again, if people would have these strong hallucinations or were somehow strong hallucinations just generally in the air <laughs> at that time?
0: Interesting. I volunteer.
1: <laughs> it ends by kind of just describing people saying that the, my mind seemed to be a ball of cotton wool floating above my body. Something seemed to be sucking my mind out through my eyes. Whoa. So complete mental disintegration <laughs> is what... It's basically what they achieved, which is why, obviously, um, this did have real, like, military application. And even if I think, like, there's no proof of how the CIA might have done what they might or might not have done with this. But there was a scandal when in the, I think, the 70s, the during in Northern Ireland, during the Troubles, um, it emerged that the British Army, you know, had been using... Some isolation techniques to break people mm. that they'd arrested, break their yeah resistance, uh, mental resistance, and um and and like in the stuff that came out, they'd mentioned the British Army mentioned you know the the studies in Canada. They didn't say which ones; they just said mm. like research from Canada.
0: I feel like Canada in itself makes sense because it's quite an isolated like there's such a huge expanse of land to the people who actually live here that it seems to be kind of ideal for that kind of experiment.
1: Yeah, no, I, I was thinking, I did, yeah, you're right, yeah. I <laughs> just took it too far. So to be fair to this Donald Hebb, um, the Don Tebb, he, uh, this, this was like the end of his experiment. So there were further experiments in McGill and other places in Canada uh, which did go further. And also everyone in his mm. experiment was a volunteer, So some of the really disturbing stuff that followed was with actually mentally ill patients who had no Mm. choice in the matter. Um, And he said later, it is one thing to hear that the Chinese are brainwashing their prisoners on the other side of the world. It is another to find in your own laboratory that merely taking away the usual sights, sounds and bodily contact from a healthy university student for a few days can shake him right down to the base. And he found this very unsettling. In terms of like the psychology of it all, And um, if we're tearing ourselves apart, what we can sort of take from this. Um, Well, last time you told us all about how humans are kind of naturally social beings and that we need these social contacts and we need a contact to the wider society around us. But I think what this isolation one kind of talks about um, is actually even going a bit further and saying that when actually we are animals that need, we need contact with the world. It's not just that we need people, but we need to be smelling things and seeing things and, and mm-hmm. hearing things and touching things, and so without, um, so we have to have a connection to the world around us. There was a really nice um, summary to the to the article in the um, American Scientist where they summed it up. They said a changing sensory environment seems to be essential for human beings. Without it, the brain ceases to function in an adequate way, and abnormalities of behavior develop. In fact, as Christopher Burney observed in his remarkable account of his stay so this is of some guy who's held in solitary confinement, as he observed in his remarkable account, variety is not the spice of life, it is the very stuff of it. So yeah. You can't exist away from the world. You you can't our brains just aren't like that. We're not we can't you know in this closed off room, we are not really we can't be ourselves. Like we need to be we need to be in the world. That's where we live.
0: I think that's really interesting when you contrast it to what we were talking about last time about needing to have like weak tie connections with other people, because I think if I start going a little bit crazy, I just need to leave the house and like walk around that I don't necessarily need to talk to anyone. It's just like the act of actually like resituating yourself in everything else that's going on is often enough, yeah the world oh my god i'm gonna try and explain this and it's gonna sound completely cuckoo but it's like separating yourself from the world no don't worry you can cut that i had a thought i couldn't articulate
1: it <laughs> <laughs> no. so um yeah so that 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 really is it except that we did um uh, I did ask you and I had a go at doing our own isolation experiments, um, so I don't know if you want to tell me tell me about yours.
0: Yeah, I found it really hard to isolate myself completely, because I live under a flight path, <laughs> for one thing. So I had to use, I used sound cancelling headphones, and I used my bathroom, which is like the smallest, darkest room in my flat, and... Um, Yeah, just kind of like sat in the dark in there for a while, which was bizarre, and set my timer for 30 minutes of sitting around, and uh, I found it not. I mean, it was only 30 minutes, and it was kind of fine. Um, The problem I have, which is why I would really like to try like one of those like tanks where you actually get like properly isolated from everything, but like I have like everything hurts (laughs) like I have a bad back I have bad knees like everything is bad so like I found myself thinking about like the muscles that were hurting a lot it wasn't comfortable (laughs) and I my headphones play like white noise and so I could hear like this which is probably quite similar to what the students had in the original study but that that was unpleasant I went, I went in and out of being like, oh, this doesn't seem so bad. I could do this forever to I really want that 30 minutes to be up now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did it. Um, similar setup to you, except I did it in bed um, and with the white noise. Uh, and I set my timer for 30 minutes and um, I just fell asleep.
0: <laughs> well, now you've got a surefire way of falling asleep. I nearly fell asleep actually a couple of times.
1: So that was um, that was uh, isolation,
0: <laughs> and I need to leave my house yeah. now. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: think so. So we all need to immerse uh, ourselves in the world, and then come back for the next the next bout of tearing ourselves apart. <laughs> this one was good actually because we did actually tear ourselves apart a little bit.
0: Yeah, a little bit. I went a little bit crazy. I feel.
1: <laughs> Any idea what we'll do next time?
0: I think though i'm having trouble getting a hold of this book that i want to do one on um running and exercise and why that's a very meditative thing to do and why some people get like super obsessed with it and some people hate it something along those lines but i'm trying to find um oh cool a murakami book where he talks about the meditative side of running so once i find a copy of that that's what the episode will be
1: Well, that just about wraps things up. Um, We'll be back next time. Cheerio! Bye! (laughs)